believe, on prophetic faith, and I, I want to give you an understanding of <clears throat> the faith that comes through the prophet's office and through the prophet's unction and anointing. And I encourage you all to take notes because you, you'll learn and you'll remember more if you write it down. I have people sat here and looked at me forever, and you'll get very much that way. Especially if you're not a tape listener to her, you have to be a note taker. That gives two witnesses to what you've heard. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established. So if you hear it and write it and see it, it will stick with you longer. It's very, very simple. And so that's something that I've always done. I was a student forever. I tell people that, and I still am. I just have always enjoyed learning. And there are some things that, that help and increase your learning. So praise God. Father, we do love you and honor you and bless you and praise you, Lord, and we magnify you. And we just lift you up, Jesus, and we bless and praise your holy name. We thank you, Jesus, that you're going to give us understanding of principles in your word that we can use. Father, I wish above all things that your people might prosper and be in health as their souls prosper. And, Father, I just ask you to prosper them in the knowledge and understanding of the word in their minds. Let their souls prosper today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Hallelujah. We can talk about prophetic faith. And when I say that, I mean faith as it is applied in certain situations to bring about certain results. Okay? This is not a new term. It's not a Bible definition. This is not a new anything. But I'm trying to get you to understand in a greater uh, dimension how to use your faith, how to release your faith, how to let your faith move mountains, and how to let it produce for you in your life. The Bible says what's not of faith is sin. So when you do things because somebody told you to do them, and the faith does not arise in your heart to do that, and you don't really feel the unction of the Spirit or sense the leading of the Lord, you are being led around by the flesh or by your soul, and that is sin for the believer. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. If by faith you live, then if you don't apply faith, you're entering into a death syndrome. So what's not done by faith will not prosper or it will cause some kind of death in your life. It's a dead work. One of the doctrines of the church is repentance from dead works and faith toward God. It's one operation. So when you repent from dead works, then you turn your faith toward God and you then begin to develop the faith of the Son of God that you live by in this life. Many people don't know how to develop their faith mainly because they're not taught what faith is and how to use faith every day in day-to-day -day situations. We speak of it as being led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God. I always like when people can't figure out a religious phrase to say about something. They'll say, well, I just didn't feel led. You can always tell if they mean led by God or not because <laughs> they just say led. They don't say led by God. They just, oh, I just didn't feel led. Sure. <laughs> you didn't want to do it. 
tell the truth. <laughs> so it's so funny, after we're born again, God's in everything we do all of a sudden. He shows up in everything. You know, or people say, I just felt it in my spirit. I said, where is that? Well, show me where. Where is it? Show it to me. Show me to me. Point out to me. You know. Sometimes you think to do things and you just do them. We still have brains, folks. You know, what God speaks to your spirit, your brain has to think it and conceive it before it can carry it out. But you can live in the mind of Christ. That's the brain you want to think with. So it's not wrong to say, I did so-and-so. God didn't lay a glove on me. I don't know if it was God or not. I just did it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, we get nervous at thoughts like that. It's just religion. You know, just got to kick a little more religion off people. Because people want to emphasize that what they're doing is right. That's why they want to say God told them to do it. But one day we're going to be called into account for all the, I felt led, my spirit told me, and God says. Jesus is going to stand there with a long scroll and whip it out with your name at the top of it. Now, I checked this out with the Father, and he told you to do none of that stuff. <laughs> Every idle word we'll give an account for. So start taking responsibility for your own actions. Okay? If it's God, we'll all know it one day. You know, The fruit will bear it out if it's of the Lord. That's how we judge if it's God or not. Okay. Mark 11.23. Go there. It's funny that lady, remember the lady kept coming up at the meeting trying to give Alan that word? She had her girlfriend mail it to me in the mail. You know, I mean, people don't hear anything that you say. How are you going to get somebody else to deliver a word for somebody else through somebody else? But see, that's how crazy the devil is. She just determined that somebody going to hear her. That's got to be God. You know, God does not pull a gun on somebody and force them to receive his word. He doesn't do it. You can receive it or you don't have to. You know, God says, choose you this day. You know, we hear preaching all the time that sometimes we reject or it goes over our heads. If God wanted to make you do something, he'd make you behave his word. But he's not like that. He allows us to receive. He wants us to seek him. So remember this. If, you, if God tells you to give somebody a prophecy, if they don't want to have it, don't get forceful. Say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you don't receive it, but I felt like God told me to give that to you. And be humble. Go on about your business. Because God is not aggressive and forcing his word on anybody. Not a prophetic word, especially when the person's told you they don't receive it. They don't receive it, they don't receive it. You don't force it on them again. I'm thinking, what kind of kids does this lady have? You don't want oatmeal? Oh, really? <laughs> put her foot right on his little shoulder and get a shovel and put it all in. <laughs> you know? Now, very often people who are fighting rejection get caught up in prophecy. Now, why? Because that's a going thing now where everybody gets attention. 
and they don't like being rejected, so they think if I get involved in this, everybody will like me. It's the wrong motive. Then when their prophecy and them get rejected, then they want to force it anyway. And so that's why they get into strife like that over the word, because they haven't read the Bible, what it says about prophecy. It says the wisdom from above is, first of all, peaceable. And you don't want my prophecy. <laughs> it's not peaceable. Okay? Peaceable means, okay, if you don't receive it, I'm sorry, but I felt that the Lord told me to give it to you. Okay? I'm going on. <laughs> Just a messenger, not the author of the message. You can tell if a person's the author of a message because they get defensive about it. It's a tip-off. It came from them and not from God. They take it personally. And so we'll go on. Mark 11:23. 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now it's interesting, Jesus had cursed the fig tree the day before. And the disciples were walking around the same place the next day, and they spotted that fig tree that he cursed, and they told him, Jesus, hey, look, that fig tree that you cursed is dried up. And Jesus said to them, have faith in God. For sure, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. The old King James says that if you believe what you say will come to pass. You don't have to believe it's happened already. You don't have to play any faith mind games with yourself. All you have to do is believe that your words will come to pass. But you've got to have faith in God to bring them to pass. But they've got to come out of your mouth. Okay? There's a funny thing about faith. All we are doing when we move in faith and obey the law of faith is that we are affirming something that God has already said. Faith does not create anything. It does not bring anything... You know, I, I see people and they're well-meaning. They say the tongue a creative force. It don't create nothing. We have no creative ability. We have reproductive ability. We reproduce something that's already there. The Bible says his riches are in glory. So if you pray for something and it comes from God, it's already there, folks. You're not creating anything. If you were creating things, you would have to have faith in yourself. But Jesus did not say have faith in yourself. He didn't say have faith in your confession. He didn't say have faith in your words. He said have faith in God. He did not say have faith in your faith. Your faith must be in the one who is the author of the faith. Okay? Because what happens when your faith ain't up to snuff? Oh, barb! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hurts. 
Well, yeah, a lot of times our faith is not of the quality that God is going to. It don't please him. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. You mean i got to please God? I thought he's going to give me everything because I'm cute. No, he won't. I cast out devils in his name. I preach all the time. I give myself over to fasting and do tears. <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to have a quality of faith that's pleasing to him. And nobody can tell you what that is but God. So you keep developing your faith and showing your faith and living by faith and moving by faith until you know you please him. When you please him, you'll have the things that, that you desire. They will come to pass. Now people get nervous about pleasing God. But you shouldn't. Because there are things that we know are displeasing to God. There are things that we know, too, are pleasing to God. So he says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So you must say what you want in order to have by faith. Faith is not something that you keep inside of you. It is something that you express with your words. All things that we believe are expressed with our words. I always tell people, you know, women will pray for their husbands to get saved. And then get up from their knees, and I prayed for that no good sidewinder, <laughs> that mangy critter. <laughs> Wonder what I'm going to cook for dinner tonight. <laughs> It probably won't be a meal that's going to get him saved, I can tell you that much, for that attitude. See, you need your soul to prosper in that situation. So your soul has not prospered to the degree that you can think good about the husband or bless him, speak well about him from the Spirit of God, you know. A lot of times people will, will put, put little platitudes on the spouse, you know. Oh, he's a good man. <laughs> I always get quickened when I say that. No, no, I think that was a quickening. <laughs> it's like your tongue wants to bite you back when you say certain things. You can tell if they're from the spirit of love or not, or from the heart. Somebody was telling me recently, I saw on TV they said, you got to build your husbands up. I said, mm, she probably can't stand hers. <laughs> Next thing I knew, they were confessing it. I'm mad at him. <laughs> you know, all these little things we tell on ourselves, whether we're speaking from the spirit of truth or not. You know, I used to always do this. I would say to myself, if it gets to the point where I'm thinking really negative about somebody, I mean anybody, I ask the Holy Spirit to bring to my remembrance things that are blessings about that individual. I train my mind not to condemn and not to tear down and not to malign and not to think ill of. And it will shock you how many people that if you stay in your carnal mind, you just grab negative thoughts about. Or you can think nice thoughts, but they're not godly thoughts about a person. You can do all of those things, playing little mind games with yourself. And so as you think in your heart, and you believe in your heart, those are the things that you express. You really do express those things. And so you have to keep on the alert 
to stay with the spirit of love because that's how faith works. It works by love. It works by keeping right relationships with everybody. And then, if all of those things are lined up with God, then God will begin to move you to use his faith. Your character has to match the character of Christ before God can deem you trustworthy to use his faith. When Jesus talked about moving mountains, he talked about those spiritual forces they keep the promises of God bound and away from people. Sometimes that mountains you. An attitude you might have. It's not always something external. So after you bound everything and spoken to the mountain, having done all to stand and stand in faith and stand with truth holding you together standing stand with your mind meditating on the word that's the helmet of salvation where you're thinking that the promises will come to pass that's the helmet of salvation now you can't stand on the word and think worry fear and doubt and think it's going to come to pass James says you're double minded when you do that one day you think God's going to move and the next minute you know you don't know what happened to him So all that means is that if you're double-minded, you need to spend more time meditating on the Word of God and casting down imaginations. And see, when you move prophetically with faith, your whole spirit, soul, mind, and body has to be in unity and move as one unit, or this kind of faith won't work for you. Everything has to come together in unity for you to move in these kinds of prophetic operations of faith. So I'll just give you what I consider to be prophetic faith. Prophetic means dealing with the prophet's office, ministry, and anointing. and those people and situations that he affects or influences. It's a dimension of spiritual power characterized by strong utilization of revelation and vocal gifts. So we're, when we talk about prophetic faith, we're talking about a realm of spiritual power. And you have to tap in to the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits, and the vocal gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And the utilization of those gifts will cause you to step into the power gifts. Gifts of healing usually result in healing or deliverance. But this is not the same thing as the gift of faith. It's not the same thing. 
but it is a dimension of supernatural faith. It's beyond the normal measure of faith. Now, when you move mountains, you get what we call a breakthrough, okay? That means that you have broken through some spiritual force that has been hindering you from receiving the power of God. So when Jesus talks about this kind of faith in Mark 11:23, he is talking about faith that breaks through from one level of power to another level of power. See, whatever level you're living at now, is you're occupying a level of spiritual power. You're on a level, level of power by virtue of the faith that you have been using that got you there. Yeah. In order to attain more of the promises of God, you've got to move from this level to a higher level. So some change has got to occur. Okay. And usually the change has to happen in you. You're not looking for an outside force. May the force be with you. Always want to go Catholic. You know, when I hear that, I say, yes, and with your spirit. Dominus. <laughs> Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it, it's, it's a force that takes you from one realm of living and faith to a higher realm. Okay, You've got to change. You've got to move from one realm to another. And it's got to be the unction of the Spirit that gets you there. It's got to be. Because we grow from glory to glory and from faith to faith. One level of faith to another level of faith. So we're always seeking a higher dimension of the realm of the spirit and the realm of faith in which to live. It takes faith to live at certain levels of the spirit. Now the miracle of moving mountains, first of all, comes through our words. And words not only confessed, but words in prayer. Don't ever think that you can go around creating something just by confessing. You have to pray a prayer. You have to ask God. You have to seek him. You have to find God's agreement on that thing before it will come to pass, before it comes from God. All New Testament prayer should be directed to the Father through Jesus. That's the correct way to pray. Except that, you know, some people can pray to Jesus and get through too. But Jesus taught us to ask the Father in his name. Because the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above and it comes from the Father of lights and there's no variableness or shadow of turning in him so he won't start giving you good things and then all of a sudden change up and say yeah I think I'll throw him a curveball I've been too good to him down here throw him the hardball <laughs> 
If it's not good and perfect, refuse it. It didn't come from God. If you can't refuse it, you've got to keep it. Pray for it to be good and perfect. God will perfect it. The Bible says he perfects those things that concern us. So you want to ask the Father in the name of the Son. You have to pray believing that your words will come to pass. So you must pray the word of God. You can't pray, Father, I need. You're just giving him problems. See, God expects us to come to him knowing something about him. You don't ask a total stranger for things. So if you don't take the time to understand what the word of God says you're entitled to, he can't help you a whole lot. Or if you just pray a need, how do you know if God ever met it if you don't know his word? You don't want things from anything, anybody but the Lord. And so you go to God and say, Father, I thank you and I worship you and I bless you and I praise you that you are the giver of life. You're the creator of all things. And I extol you and I worship you. And I bless you in Jesus' name and I thank you that you provided all things that pertain to life and to godliness unto me. And Father, I thank you that there are no needs that are too large for you to fulfill on my behalf. And I'm just asking you, Father, to pay this cast, please. <laughs> you know, put the need before him, but extol him as the one who has the answer for you. And he loves it when we take time to understand our covenant because that's where the faith comes from. When you have prayed his word to him, believing that he'll do exactly what he says, that's when you prayed in faith. And Father, I thank you that you're going to send adequate finances to pay this bill in Jesus' name. And you can't doubt in your heart. Now don't say, I believe you're going to pay this bill Tuesday and you don't have Friday faith. Just say, Father, I believe it's going to get done. You know, the less pressure, you know, foolishness that you can put yourself under pressure, the better off you are. Don't try to con God with your faith, quote unquote. Don't try to sound real religious to him because he doesn't hear that kind of stuff. Just ask him to perform according to his word. Then if it kicks in on Friday, you know he's done exceeding and abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. And so sometimes you have to set your faith level where you know your faith level is and ask God for those things, but believe that he's going to do them. So this prophetic faith first comes through our words, but it also comes through some action by the Spirit of God that has adds emphasis or it punctuates the words that you say. Okay? So the Word of God actually declares what will happen. See, that's what makes it prophetic because you are dealing with the words. You are prophesying your future by what you pray. You are prophesying to God by His Spirit what you believe He's going to do for you. And as you speak that, you are speaking to principalities and powers 
what the word of God says because you are speaking from the seating of heavenly places in Christ. That's the level that you're speaking from. And if you're in the throne room of grace, you're heard in all three worlds, heaven, earth, and under the earth. When the children of Israel will recite the law of God, they said, I call heaven and earth to record this day what we are saying. Words are recorded in heaven and in earth. In other words, tell the devil, take a letter to yourself, devil. I bind you, I bind you, I bind you, I bind you, I bind you. You get out of here, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. That's why you can worship God for a season. Okay, I got it. You can worship God for a while when you pray, and then you can start binding the devil because you're seated in the throne room, and that's where all the orders are sent from. You're not seated until God welcomes you in there. That's done through worship. You're keeping your covenant with God. We have a covenant to worship God, folks. If you don't do that, you won't get seated in heavenly places in the Spirit. You'll just be speaking out of your flesh. And because you feel a little something, you think you're there, but you're not there. You can tell you're there by the fruit that you bear. I remember I was listening to Miriam Hellman talk on the power of the soul and the difference between praying spiritual prayers and soulish prayers. And she was getting ready to teach on it, and she was saying that there was a couple that um, she had, okay, she had started studying on it, and some people came over to visit. And <clears throat> she had all her books spread out, and this lady asked her what she was studying, and she told her. And the woman said, you know, that's very interesting. You should say, say that because I have been questioning the way that my husband and I have prayed for years. So she runs down this story to her. It goes something like this. They have this daughter who's always in a mess of trouble. We pray for her constantly. But we have a son that we seldom pray for. for. He gets straight A's. He <laughs> went through college with no problems, no drugs, no nothing. This other girl's always in trouble. What could be the matter? Well, Miriam said that she began to understand from these people that they were praying from a spirit of worry, a spirit of fear, and they were projecting this onto this child's life. You ever hear of these conferences? They said this has been bathed in prayer. You think, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> or these people always want to run to you in an emergency. I don't think we're praying enough. I said, you quit and let us do it, okay? Okay? Legalism. You don't have to pray for 24 hours to knock the devil out. You just got to have an anointing on your words and punch him. So I remember, you know, when we were kids, I remember some, some dads used to get their boys out in the yard and make them fight. They would coach them, you know, fighting other kids. And that sounds wrong to, you know, people are so wimpy sometimes now. You know, in my neighborhood, if your kid didn't fight, he didn't live beyond 12. A witness. Okay. Girls and boys. <laughs> I mean, some kids you could run from and some you had to fight. You know, It's true now. That's why we got so many wimpy Christians around. You know, They're all scared to fight. 
you know, and they think black people are rough and violent. Honey, we got to be. You can survive, you know, running out of slave camps and dogs behind you. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, too much is too much, but there's a place where you have to defend yourself in order to survive. And I remember these fathers coaching their kids, and they would teach them to watch the opponent's hands. And when his hands were down, that's when you hit him. And see, God is training us to do the same thing. There's an opportune time to hit the devil. There's a time not to hit him. I know from experience, I've hit him both times. I'd rather wait for the unction. Just a little aside, folks. Those of you who are in the nonviolent mood, the Bible happens to say the violent take it by force. You don't get violent, you won't get anything. It's a way to survive. And it's a way to victory. So your actions, when you use prophetic faith, your actions punctuate your words. In other words, devil, bam, that was a period. <laughs> exclamation point. Bam, exclamation point. We don't leave any question marks with the devil. Or you can give him a comma, continue tomorrow. <laughs> I'll beat you up again in the morning. <coughs> So you're, there are certain actions that you have to do in prophetic faith to bring about the right results. A continuation in faith then develops the fruit of faithfulness. This is something that's very difficult to get people to do to live by faith, is to continue in faith because sometimes faith is such, it takes such energy to develop in the word and develop strength and all that kind of stuff. See, a lot of times we get in trouble, and that's God's calling card inviting us to learn more about him, learn about faith. Sometimes you'll pray for a situation, and you'll see other people get blessed. Well, why isn't mine coming? It's not coming because if it came today, you'd quit on God, and you wouldn't learn everything he wants you to learn. (laughs) He knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. And that will run off at the first opportunity we get and go back to natural living. A lot of people will come and they'll pray when they're in trouble. Well, they're kind of always in trouble because they don't learn. Well, gee, maybe if I walked by faith and I lived at this level of prayer and faith that I'm doing now every day, maybe I could walk in victory over this stuff. Or we've been taught things about God that are not true. Because if you believe in Jesus only as your Savior, you'll always be in trouble. You'll always need saving. You don't see him as a healer every day or as a deliverer or as a counselor who can give you wisdom on how to get victory in every situation. We don't even see him as a way maker and pray before we go and do things and ask him to pave the way for our success. So the success is already made before we get there. We get there, we found a door closed, we got to go home and cry and call an intercessor. It's just asking him before you get up, God, I get a lot of stuff to do today. Would you please send the angel of God ahead of me to wake, make a way for me? Now, all you got to do is go and gather up your goodies. But oh no, we got to do it the hard way. You know, Go in there, find doors closed. Do that for about 10 years till you finally realize maybe I should pray first before I even go into any of these doors. God will open them first. 
And see, that's very common. Many people don't, they don't know the promises of God. They don't know the assurances of success in God just by faith, just by asking him, acknowledging him in all your ways, and he'll direct you. God will not direct you into failure. What you think is failure is just a wrong door closing, and he needs to open a right door for you. Sometimes we think we know the way and we don't. And so prophetic faith is necessary because very often the way that God chooses for you will look wrong to your carnal man. Or there will be extreme fear on the path to where God wants you to go. You'll be scared they won't do this. You'll be scared they won't do that. You'll be scared this won't happen and that won't happen. You go to make a major purchase and see the things that will hit your mind as won't happens. They won't give me that kind of money. Who am I? You're a child of God. You don't need to be anybody more than that. That's all you need is his permission to be there. If that's not good enough, I can tell you, you can't manufacture anything that's going to get any doors open for you other than the fact that God says they're supposed to open for you. And that's what prophetic faith does. It opens the door to a higher level of living in the Spirit. It opens the door to a higher level of power and anointing that is available to you in God. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2 and give you an example. Let me see. I, I'm, I'm thinking another one I want to do first. I think I'll do this one first. It lays a better foundation. I think it's Mark 10. Let me see. Yeah. Mark 10, chapter 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho. <clears throat> And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Now the fact that he was mentioned as the son of Timaeus may indicate that his father was an important man. It may indicate there that because the family name was known, he just wasn't some guy. Like a lot of these people came up, ten lepers a woman from this place or that place. But this man is mentioned by name and his father. So it might have been that he was a man of, from a family of some repute or some wealth or some stature. It says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So his words said what he wanted. Huh? Jesus Give me some mercy. God, take care of me. God, I have a need here. Whenever you're going to the Lord, you are seeking mercy. You are never seeking your rights from God. If you go there with some rights, you're wrong. You'll never get anything. You know, I know in a lot of our books on authority, it said, claim your rights. Hey, that's, you know, go for it. <laughs> Well, when I go there, I'm looking for mercy because I know I've really got no, no justification for being there other than the blood of Jesus. You can't demand anything from God. Now, your faith does affirm what he has said is already yours, and that will put a demand on his faith. 
that means that he must reciprocate in some way when you show faith. God does not walk away from faith. He never does. That's the door that pleases God. And he's already said he's pleased with it. And so when you go in faith, then the next move is on him. Okay? So you have done your part, and that does put a demand on God to respond to you. But he set up the demand, okay? And it says, then many warned him to be quiet. Okay? Now that's that pressure that will come against you when you're pursuing the things of God. The warning to be quiet is the mountain. It's the voice that says, who do you think you are? Why do you think God would do that for you? Okay. When it said many warned him, that's the pack of devils that the devil sends after you that speak to your mind when you get ready to step out in faith. And it creates doubt in you. Many times Bartimaeus might have cried out and backed away. You don't know. Many of us do that. And we think it's God telling us no. Well, you know, I was praying for, for, you know, I was praying for this money, but then it just dawned on me that, you know, sometimes God blesses you in other ways. Well, did you need the money or not? Make up your mind, you know. If you want other ways, tell him, give me other ways. But commit to something, see. So faith has to be specific and committed to and focused in one direction before it will work. It can't be like shotgun faith. You know, bam, shoot it out there in the spirit and see if I hit something. You know, like hitting a flock of geese and see if one falls. Faith has to be specifically targeted at the thing that you want. And so many warned him to be quiet, but he cried all the more. So that's step number two. Your confession cannot waver, and it can't change. So if the devil, if you start asking God for something, and the devil starts putting doubt at you, telling you to shut up, quit asking for it, you're not asking, you're asking on your lust, you're, you're asking amiss, you're not asking right, uh, you shouldn't ask for these material things all the time. You think about money too much. All of that stuff, you need to pray all the more. You need to speak it all the more. You need to double up on your confession. You need to double up on your prayer time. You need to call two more people to agree with you. And I mean agreeing people, not people who want to give you a lecture on why your prayer is wrong. I mean people who will stand on the word with you that that thing is going to come to pass. Okay? And he said he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He did not change his confession. He didn't say, God, I did ask for a Cadillac, but I think maybe I'll take a Honda now. A used one at that. I don't want to put too much stress on your budget, God. says, so Jesus stood still. That means that that man's faith pleased God. When you see Jesus walking, remember what's his name? Oral Roberts says, 
there's either a miracle walking past you. Every He said every minute there's either a miracle coming towards you or a miracle walking past you. Jesus was either walking past people and going towards somebody with faith. He was totally faith-led in his ministry. Anybody he stopped in front of and ministered to had enough faith that he could help them. If it wasn't faith in operation, it was compassion on those people, and he did it of his own volition at the will of the Father. But there was probably a prayer of faith that was prayed somewhere that he would get the job done. He always moves by faith. For instance, in the <clears throat> young man that he raised from the dead, he went to the, saw the funeral procession passing by, and he stopped the funeral and probably emptied the streets and gets this guy up out of his coffin. But he might have been responding in compassion to a prayer that was prayed when that kid was alive. Because he did the same thing with Lazarus. Martha and Mary sent for him, said, God, if you had come here three days ago, he wouldn't have died. He said, I am the resurrection. When you call me, you call for resurrection power anyhow. Don't matter to me, he's stiff already and stinking. Lazarus, come for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> but if you call for him he brings resurrection power with him everything's getting raised up from some degree of death whether it's stiff already or not and so that's what he did and so it, it could be that prayers were prayed for that young man just like he was for Lazarus before he died and so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now this is the commanded blessing. Okay? When God commands something toward you, it can't be stopped. So this is where his faith pleases God. He's at a point of no return. He's got God's attention and God's commanding him to come before him so that he can acknowledge his request. And they called the blind man saying, Oh, brother, we told you to shut up, but be of good cheer now. <laughs> We're just as flaky as anybody else here. We don't know what to think. <laughs> you know? Arise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Okay? Now that is a prophetic faith action. Before it was the confession that kept him moving in faith. Throwing aside his garment is a higher level of faith. Now, why do you think that is? Hmm? Okay, but his garment designated his condition. Blind people wore garments of certain colors to be identified as blind. So when he threw off his garment, he says, I am no longer blind anymore, but I can see. That's prophetic faith. Calling those things that be not as though they are. What he was saying is, I'm not going to be a beggar anymore. I'm going to receive my rightful inheritance. He put off his robe before he received the manifestation. Prophetic faith does that which it cannot do before it's supposed to be able to do it.
It acts like it's healed when it's not healed. It acts like it's prosperous before it prospers. That's why God tells us to give before we have the money. <laughs> See, everybody got that. We get all the money jokes. You know, we get all the money examples. Man. Oh, yeah, oh, sure, I know that now. Why do you think he tells you to give when you have a need? All these people in the Bible. Oh, the widow's might. Yeah, not that again. He's going to kill us with the widow's might. No, but for real though, I'm going to really tell you how it works now. But that's prophetic faith. Calls those things that be not as though they are. People told him to shut up. And he said, no, I'm getting mercy today. I'm not taking no for an answer. This has got to work today. I'm sick of where I am. I'm moving. That's the other thing about prophetic faith. You cannot stay in a comfort zone and get this. You've got to get uncomfortable somewhere. You've got to feel like you're risking your life, risking your money, risking your future, risking your reputation. But it's just a feeling. Because your natural man is going to react to this in some kind of way. He's going to say, uh-uh, stop, no, don't take me there. I don't want to go there. I'll die. Yes, you are. And I'm killing you now. So you can get out of my way so I can live supernaturally. It's a thrill a minute, living by faith. <laughs> if you've got a bad heart, you might as well get in the healing line because you're going to get it trusted. So he cast off his garment. Now that was prophetic faith. So, so Jesus answered and said, Gee, what can I do for you, buddy? As though he didn't know. This is very important. After you've done the big bad prophetic thing, you can't change your confession. You must confess it some more before he'll honor it. He says, Rabbi, that I might have my sight, or that I might receive it. In other words, I'm sick of praying for it. I'm sick of believing for it. Give it to me. I want it. See, let me tell you, that's why a lot of people don't get They don't really want it. They want to believe for it. They want to stand for it. We want to confess for it. I'm really pressing in. I'm believing God. I'm religious is what I am. <laughs> Stupid and crazy. He said, I'm tired of praying for it. I'm tired of begging. I'm tired of being a rich man's kid and not being able to enjoy my life. I'm sick of this. I want to get up off this blind thing and go on seeing it. That's what I want. I want to receive it. I want it. I want it here and I want it now. And I'm blocking the sidewalk so you can't get by until I receive my healing. I got you hemmed in. And that's what we've got to get. Every time 
he got closer to his healing, he got closer to the healer. They happen simultaneously. People will tell you, don't seek the healing, seek the healer. I get news for you. Either way you do it, you're going to get him. You get close enough to get healed, you'll get him. Because he's not crazy. He's not going to heal you and not get what he wants out of the deal. That's what he wants. He wants intimacy with you. Wants to talk to you. Wants to embrace you. Wants to share things that only he can share with you. On the road to your healing, you come closer and closer to the Lord. I've heard people say that. And they'll give these uh, testimonies. I guess if I had to do it all over again, I said, wait a minute, hold it. Now, we don't have to go that route again. (laughs) I'll walk with him. (laughs) I volunteer to just give my life over to the Lord every day. But sometimes people don't let God, they don't get God's attention. They don't let him have their attention until they do have a need. And in order to get that need met, you do have to receive the healer. You have to receive his word. You're partaking of his body when you receive his word. You've got to worship him, get in his presence, get in his face. Getting in his face means reading the word of God. That's all Bartimaeus. That's what we would do now. That's what he did. And so Jesus answered him. He said, go your way. In other words, you're on your own now. You got, you got what you need. He said, your faith has made you well. It says, and immediately he received his sight, but he had a good sense to follow Jesus. That'll keep you healed. Jesus gave him the option of going wherever he wanted to. He said, go your way. So whichever way, I'm healing you, okay? I'm doing what you asked me to do. He said, you do what you want to do now that you're healed. And he said, I think I'll stick with you. (laughs) You So he followed the Lord. That's a way to stay healed. Many people get healed. You know, they'll come into meetings. They got enough sense, charismatic sense, to know if you get in the right meeting, God can touch you. You've been a good girl, been in the Word, building yourself up. He can touch you and heal you. If they don't continue on with the Lord, continue to walk in love, continue to obey the Spirit of God, they will not keep their healing very long. God's not going to heal you so you can run around and cause problems for the people of God and for anybody else. And so you'll lose it if you don't continue to walk with the Lord. But Bartimaeus was smart enough to do that. So you see the steps in prophetic faith. Okay? You have, first of all, to have a confession that is in line with the Word of God. That's what Bartimaeus had. Begging is a form of being cloaked in self-pity. That's the other thing that will hinder your healing from coming forth. Many times people put beggars in that position because if people would have pity on them, then they would give them what they needed. You know, so often they had to beg for enough money to make a living. And the more pathetic you could be to people, the more they would give you. It's unfortunate, but that's how it operated for them. So he wore this cloak that was a cloak of self-pity or wanting man to have mercy on you. 
And he realized that he had to throw off self-pity. He had to throw off all that junk in order to see Jesus and to get his healing from the Lord and not wanting man to have pity on him, but wanting God's mercy. He stopped depending on man and he started depending on God. See, all of that stuff, when he resisted the people, they warned him to be quiet and all this kind of stuff. You know, <clears throat> they were really at the mercy of people in those days so that they couldn't antagonize people because who would be there to lead them around? So there's a lot of that in this story. Bartimaeus is just jumping out there. He's risking everything. He's antagonized the people. He doesn't care if they like him anymore. He stepped out in the middle of the road. Wherever Jesus is, I'm going to find him. Or he'll have to find me. But today, I'm going to get free of my blindness. I'm going to have my sight. And I'm going to go home a different man. I'm going to be changed. And that's the determination that he had in his heart.